John 5 and 2. If you're there, say amen. Very familiar passage. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. This was the previous process that they had to wait on. They waited for the waters to be troubled and then they had to get in the water first. But a certain man that was there which had an infirmity 38 years, that's a long time to wait your turn, you know it? For 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been that way a long time, he asked him this question, will thou be made whole? I wish we could understand the value of that one word right there. Whole. Whole. Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him and he said, sir, I have no man. Now watch this. He immediately starts referring to the old system. The old system said, when the waters are troubled, you get in. But all of these people laying around the pool, they were there because they were impotent. They were there because they were broken. And so they all had a need, and they needed to get in the water. And when Jesus walks up to him and says, will you be made whole? He refers to the system that man had established. And he said, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming or I'm on my way to it, he said, while I'm doing my best, somebody steps in front of me. That's a, that's a feeling some have shared in this room. Every time you try to do your best, it's like somebody else gets it, right? Say amen or oh me. He said, I've got nobody to take care of it. Jesus said to him in verse 8, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed, and he walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Amen. God's going to help us in this place tonight. I want to preach to you about three steps to victory. Three steps to victory. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. God, we need you tonight. We need your word. We need your power. We need your demonstration. I'm asking tonight, God, that signs would confirm your word. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that doors that have been locked would come open. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would send mighty angels that would work in this room. I pray for deliverance. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us victory in our sights tonight and that we refuse to look away until we walk in that victory. In the name of Jesus, let the church say amen. Would you give God a great big hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, Three steps 
three steps to victory tonight. And uh, I believe God's going to help somebody with this before you leave here. Uh, I love preaching this story. I really do. I love reading this story. It's very powerful. It is, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen um, any of the Chosen uh, video series. I, I watched some of those. And uh, this was one of the, the best scenes that I saw in the whole process was when the man was healed at the pool. It was very neat uh, to see how that happened. And, and I know there's, they took some liberties with some storylines in there, and it's kind of cool. But this, this is something that I don't ever want you to forget. When you start reading Scripture, it's easy to feel like it's just some far-off story in a storybook. Because it happened so long ago. But I want to tell you that in the opinion of your pastor tonight, there really was a pool. It really was at Bethesda. It really was in the middle of Jerusalem, in the city. There really was a group of people that were there that were desperate people. And there really was a man that had laid there for 38 years and never got his turn. But on this day... I don't believe that this is a fairy tale. I believe that it really happened. That after 38 years of wishing it could have been different, when Jesus walked onto the scene, everything changed. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I want you to understand that was a real story and a real man that felt really hopeless and felt like there was no exit strategy. And I've come to preach to somebody in here tonight that's a real person and you've got real trouble and you've got real trials and you've got real problems. And I want to tell you if God could do it for that man, God can do it for you. Pastor, it's gone on for so long, I don't know if I'm ever coming out. The Holy Ghost sent me to ask you tonight, will thou be made whole? If God could do it for this man after 38 years, God can do it for you after three months, three years, or 30 years. Now, there's some, some interesting things in this story. Uh, I've, I've done some teaching on it through the years. But when the scripture says uh, that, that an angel went down in a certain season... In the pool and troubled the water. Um, I taught on this several years ago, but this was kind of one of those deals that uh, historians they really don't know what it was that actually caused uh, the water to tremble or the water to ripple or what what we see in the King James as being troubled. There, uh, the tale around it from the city was that when the water began to shake that it was from an angel now uh, because it was invisible uh, and and the cause of this was invisible then that's just what people believed was that an angel would swoop down over the water and the water would shake and people would get in but there is there's something really really powerful here about this that I want to get to you tonight, okay? This man has laid there for 38 years, okay? Now, 
I'm not going to get into all the depths of this and whether it was an angel or it wasn't could very well have been uh, an angel. But this is what the people in Jerusalem and at Bethesda particularly believed that this angel came. But I want you to just imagine this far out story that all of these people that are hopeless are laying around so hopeless that they, they honestly start believing the idea that ever so often there's going to be a slim chance that something, an angel or something supernatural, is going to trouble the water, and if you're the first one that's in there, you're going to get healed. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to get into that whole part of it tonight because I'm not going to do a Bible study on it, but I want to say this. It's something to me that a man could lay for 38 years just hoping that he was going to get a shot at healing. But when Jesus walked up and asked him the question, will thou be made whole? He immediately refers to the far out system that had been in place. It's a story that captivated these people. They were so focused on getting their turn and getting their chance and getting in front of the line and being sure they were the first one in the water that when the answer came, he was so distracted by a hope that he was going to miss his season that his season was standing next to him and he didn't even know it. Is that about as clear as mud or did that make sense? We stand around with far out hopes that someday it's going to get better and this is going to change and that's going to change and someday it's going to turn around. And Jesus walks in and said, I think now would be a good time. And we start saying, well, that's not what the doctor said. Jesus walks in and said, today will be a good day. Well, that's not what my attorney said. And we've got our hope in this system, whatever it may be, that sooner or later our time is going to come. And when the system is just right, it's going to fall our lot. Well, listen, I want to tell you tonight that we have a God that created all things visible and all things invisible. And whether it was an angel or not that troubled the water, what I want to say to you is I know the master of the wind. And I know a God that doesn't care whether the water's troubled or not when he says, it's your time I want you to know he can do it right now <laughs> and so it's it's one, it's one of those things that you set you set your hope on something that may happen right you look at this this old crazy world Man, people people set their hopes on teams that may win and they may lose. And if they're from Indiana, most of the time they lose. I can't, I don't understand. But people, they, they start setting their hopes on systems. That's just a hope. Just someday it may happen. But I remember years ago, because of the times, Brother Wayne Huntley preached a sermon. I'll never forget it. He preached, when your bus comes in, don't be standing at the boat station. 
What are you saying? I'm saying some of us are looking for a boat to come and the bus is pulled in where we're supposed to be. How many of you ever, ever, ever heard that story in the flood when the man was in his house and the flood started coming out? I, I don't have to tell the whole story. And they came by and said, sir, we, we want to get you out before the flood. He said, no, help's coming. He got up on his front porch, so he, he went in the house, and they, they stopped by in a little boat and said, sir, we, we want to get you out of here before it gets too bad. He said, no, help's coming. Before it was over, he's up on the roof. Water's there. Helicopters hovering over talking. Sir, we want to get you out of here before you die. He said, no, help's coming. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying Jesus has tried and tried and tried to convince us that he's still got all power in heaven and in earth. And we're saying, well, someday... Someday it's going to happen. Someday I'll get my breakthrough. I've come to preach to somebody tonight that believes you can get it tonight and you can get it right here and you can get it right now. You don't have to wait for next month. You don't have to wait for next year. I want you to know the answer is here tonight. And so these people, they've they've got themselves in this mindset that's so different. And I'm going to tell you the reason why they do. Now, I'm going to preach to you pretty pointed as your pastor right now. I'm, I'm going I'm to preach to you some things. I preach it through the years, but I, I'm going to preach some things to you that maybe some of you have never heard me preach. And I want to say to you that the reason this man's hope was set on the system is because he had been there for so long that it had become his way of life. Bethesda was positioned in the middle of the city with five porches. It was a porch for the blind and for the lame and for the broken and the impotent. Every one of them had a reason to be on the porch. They all had a different reason, but they all had the same result. They were all stuck in a place because they believed that someday their help was going to come. Every day of their lives that they lived, they celebrated the fact that they made it through another night. And and, and their little circle of influence on them five porches, there was something about it that every day they woke up, they weren't surprised to find out that Billy from the porch over there died in the night and, and, and Susie over there on that porch, she died because it was an entire system of dysfunction and these people had built their hopes that someday maybe their turn would come. But the problem is that they learned to develop structures and systems in their lives based on something that would not go away and because everybody in their world had problems similar to their problems they started believing that that was going to be their way of life and for 38 years this man would get up every morning and say well I made it through another night I thank God I live for another night no more victory than I had yesterday no more healing than I had yesterday no more breakthrough than I had yesterday but at least I'm still here And we got to be careful that our church does not become a porch where we gather in a place where there's opportunity to be healed and there's opportunity to be delivered and we celebrate the fact that we're still having good church. 
I don't say this very often, but I'm preaching way better than you're responding right now. I know some of you may be tired, but you ain't as tired as I am right now. I'm not up here preaching for my health. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, the devil's been lying to you. The devil's been trying to tell you it's over. But I've come to tell you it's not over till God says it's over. The pathology of a place like this, it'll jack your brain up. Because everybody around you is down. Can I tell you a principle that's never going to change church? I've done this all my life. And this is a principle that you're going to find in the church. You're going to find in your job. You're going to find in your school. And it's never. Somebody say never. It's never going to change. Are you ready? This is deep. Put your floaties on. Birds of a feather. My God, y'all are preaching good right now. I said, birds of a feather, they flock together. Are you wondering why you're discouraged when everybody in your circle is always discouraged? Are you wondering why you're always down? When everybody in your circle is always down, are you wondering why your kids are buying into rebellion when all the friends you let them hang around have been rebellious? Birds of a feather, they're going to flock together. But somebody came on Sunday night and said, I'm tired of the doubt crowd. I'm tired of the confusion crowd. I'm tired of the down crowd. I'm getting with somebody that believes God still can. Woo! I said, somebody in here believes God still can. I feel tonight some of us need to get revelation. That part of the reason why we're down is not because everything's really bad except for friend selection. Folks. If they walk in everywhere they go with asphalt chips in their lip because they've been dragging it around, don't think you're going to get encouraged when you say, how you doing? I'm telling you folks that love to gossip, love to be friends with folks that love to gossip. And people that like things broken all the time so they get pity. They want to be with people that love things broken all the time. But there are some folks that have got the revelation that when you're tired of being down, you're going to have to connect yourself to somebody that knows what up is all about. It's a precedent that's set in your Bible. David the psalmist said, he said, Lord, I look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help doesn't come from down. My help comes from up. There is a blessing in knowing that if you're going to climb out, you got to climb up. (laughs) We need some friends in our lives that can be honest with us and say, you know what? You're being too negative. 
I was on the phone the other day talking to a pastor friend of mine, and, and, and he was kind of going through some scenarios, and I was like, yeah, don't sound very good. He said, can, can, can I be honest and not hurt your feelings? I'm like, me? Come on, man. I've been doing this long now. I got, I got feelings of steel, you know. I said, you just go ahead. And he said, I'll be honest with you, bro. You're being kind of negative. It's true. It's because we grab at the thing that's closest to us. And when we keep a negative report close to us, that's the first thing we want to grab. But when we, when we keep ourselves grounded by hope, and, and, and our first reaction wants to be reach for negative. If you distance yourself from negativity enough, you don't have any negativity to grab a hold of. Somebody ought to grab a little hope in here tonight. You know who I want to connect myself to? People that know how to worship even when they're going through hell on earth. You know who I want to hitch my wagon to? People that know what praise is all about. That I praise him when I don't feel like it. Because my praise is not about how I feel. My praise is about who he is. My, my, my. Some folks don't want to get healed. Because it's the only thing that's got them God bless you. They, 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 they don't want that because when people look at them, it gives them pity. Woo! I'm not asking. Matter of fact, everybody close your eyes. Don't look at anybody in here. You ever met people that love pity more than they love praise? That's why they stay in that same old cycle. Because their victory is only predicated on what they feel. But if they miss a good Sunday night or so, and they get just a little carnal, woo, it don't take long pumping on the well before they just start spewing it out. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to see victory. I'm never going to have a breakthrough. I don't know if you understand fully the process of reverse osmosis and how all that works with filtering water, but it's a pretty cool process. You know what some of us need? We need reverse osmosis on the devil's lies. When the devil says it's not going to happen, you ought to just start dancing and say, well, since he said it wasn't, he's a liar. It's, I know it's going to happen. The devil said, I was never going to get healed. So I'm going to go ahead and praise God because I know he's a healer. The devil said, it's impossible. So I'm going to go ahead and bless the Lord because with man, this may be impossible. But with God, all things. We need to get that reverse osmosis filter going. And when the first thing we want to speak is why it's impossible, we ought to shift gears and reverse that and say, it won't be this way tomorrow. It won't be this way tomorrow. I'm coming out of this tomorrow.
I was listening on my way home this, this afternoon from church. I was listening to Brother Jordan's sermon this morning. And he pushed Paul's right in the middle of his preaching to start testifying. I, I wish we'd do that more often in life. You know, testimony brings conviction on people. When somebody's talking negative and you just say, let me tell you about the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes we got to back up and look at the picture just a little bit different. Because we, lo- we love to rejoice. I, 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 was, I was talking about this this morning. We love, we absolutely love to, to shout and dance about Ephesians 3 and 20. Matter of fact, we heard it probably 15 times during missions conference. Now unto him that is able, right, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We love that because he's able, right? I want to tell you, he never stops being able. But there is a variable in this scripture that must be considered. It said that he can do, a, that he can do above what we ask or think. And if we're not talking about it and we're not thinking about it, then God's never going to do it. We got to start talking about it again. We got to start talking faith again. We got to quit looking at the evil report and come out saying, we can do this. We can do this. We The majority of the time, the majority of the people are not going to have the big picture of the vision. Right? Twelve spies go in the land. Right? Two come out with grapes. Ten come out with gripes. Now... (laughs) You don't think negativity has an effect on people. I've preached this through the years, tried to figure it out, tried to, I don't know. Depends on what, what historical accounts you read or whatever. But there is an estimation of somewhere between a million and three million people in the wilderness. Right? So this is three million people that God has given exceeding precious promise to. You just do a little math here. You got three million people that God said he could do it. And ten people come out saying there's no way. And three million people are convinced. Because when one wet blanket walks into a praise fest... So you got, you got two boys over here, Caleb and Joshua, and uh, they're over here fist bumping, coming out high fiving, giving each other high fives and saying, "Man, that's the best grapes I ever had in my life." Did you see the size of them suckers? Man, these are the best thing I've ever had. Can you believe 
this is all going to be ours. Because they were told, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. Vineyards you didn't plant. And they're like, good Lord. The blessings of God are so good. Got grape juice running down their face. Woo! Man, them jokers are good right there now. About that time, one of them rock kickers over there. So stupid. God always setting us up for failure. Caleb goes, what? This is dumb. Did you see how big them giants were? Do you see how small we are? Do you see we can't ever do this? Me just talking to you like that, you can feel that, can't you? It's gross. We ain't never going to get it. We're never going to see it. We're never going to have a breakthrough. We're never going to have revival like that. My kids are never coming back to God. My husband's never going to be saved. I'm like, huh, that's funny, because I've seen him do it before. <laughs> now, I want to tell you what these negative people are doing. You don't understand, you, you, you don't understand this fully yet, but I'm on this reverse osmosis deal with you, right? Y'all still with me? They're trying to tell Caleb and Joshua how big the giants are, right? Yeah. And the only thing Caleb and Joshua can think about, they start doing the math and they're like, wow, that's a pretty big dude. So I bet he planted a pretty big garden. That's a big old giant. He didn't build no little house. What about them houses you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant? Yeah, they're biggins. They're big old houses. So while you stand around trying to tell me how big the enemy is, I'm going to rejoice because the house and blessing and the favor that I'm moving into, it's a big house. It took a lot of grapes to feed those giants, and they've planted a vineyard that's going to bless my family. It's going to bless my church. When we take the territory, it's going to bless us. You got to ask and you got to think or he can't do above what you've been asking and thinking. So we know implicitly by the scripture, explicitly this part, we know that he can, that he's able. But what we ask implicitly is am I able? Am I able to think that big? When was the last time you asked God for something so big it scared you to death? What are you saying, Pastor? Look, God's trying to move this church from a fishing line thrown under one branch. 
Come on, Brother Small, help me right now. God's trying to get us to stop doing this and start doing this. The harvest that God has for the end time church, I know that the best way to build is one person at a time. But when I win one and you win one and they win one and we all get together and we start thinking about it and we start talking about it, I'm not here tonight to celebrate how big the enemy is. I'm here to celebrate how big the promise is that they built for me. Some of you look at it and say, well, that's impossible. And I say, yeah, it's impossible for me to need one that big. But look what God did. He is able to do exceeding. Woo! This is what I say when I preach to myself. He can do exceeding and abundantly above all that I ask or think. So I think I'm going to try him. And I'm going to think bigger than I've ever thought. And I'm going to ask bigger than I've ever asked. God, I'm not just asking you to bring a lost son home. I'm asking you to bring the lost son, the lost grandson, the lost nephew, the lost brother. I'm asking for the whole family. When everybody on your porch has a similar story to you, is it any wonder when Jesus asks you a question like that, you start blaming everybody else. You know why? I'm not saying it's be ugly, it's a fact. Anybody else on that porch that you would have asked, they probably would have gave the same answer. You know why? Because when you've been there long enough, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Guess it's just always going to be that way. Maybe I can make it till tomorrow. Maybe I can make it till next Sunday. Maybe I can make it to our next revival. Church family, let me tell you something tonight. I don't plan on living my life with the Holy Ghost and squeaking by a win every now and then. I didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost just so I could have a little bit of victory in this city. I feel like telling you some folks live from trial to trial and from test to test. But your Bible said we live faith to faith and glory to glory. I don't plan on just passing a little old test. I don't plan on just a little bit of victory. I plan on walking in domination over every power of darkness in this city. You know, the deal is, if you are competitive and you ever get a taste of winning, you don't ever want to lose again. 
Now, I'm not talking about the generation that everybody gets a trophy. That frustrates the dog out of me. Good job, Boo Bear. Why you even run? If you know everybody's going, I mean, whatever. <laughs> My dad used to tell me something. I don't want this to hurt none of you young boys. You be good. My dad used to tell me, he'd say, son, you don't need to go around starting anything. But if they start it, You better finish. Like, yeah. What if I kick them when nobody's looking? Listen to me. All right? I want y'all to hear your pastor tonight. I don't walk around devil hunting. I didn't start this. But I'm going to make you a promise. I will finish. He came against your family. He came against your church. He came against your kids. And you need to make the devil regret the day that he ever made an advance toward your house. Devil, you started it. But I'm going to finish it. And when I come out of this thing, you're going to regret the day that I was ever filled with the Holy Ghost. I may not see the answer yet, but I'm going to fight until it's over. I'm going to fight until there's a breakthrough. I'm going to fight until there's deliverance. And I refuse to quit. Let me hurry tonight. In the text that we read this evening, Jesus asked him the question. He said, will thou be made whole? And immediately, he starts using the excuse that I had nobody to do it for me. Folks, I'm not here to be insensitive tonight and don't think I'm making light of this or making fun, okay? Please. But I want to tell you, if somebody wants it bad enough, they'll drag themselves to the water. Y'all going to make me do it. I feel it coming. I ain't got nobody to do it. But I ain't going to just lay here and die. I'm going to go if I got to go. Devil, you're dealing with a different man today than you were yesterday because yesterday I believed everything you told me but today I've got the victory and I know who my redeemer is and I know where my help 
Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta drag, just get it. My mind was reflecting today. So I heard Brother Jordan's testimony after two lost babies. They said it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And now look what the Lord has done. And I remembered the fear that gripped my heart after Sister TJ lost our second baby. And we, uh, we got pregnant that next a uh, little while, we had Grayson the next year, that next year, because she lost the baby the 1st of December. And we were so thankful for the victory that God had given us, you know. And Brother Jordan, sometimes it's like this. He never shuts up. Even when you claim victory. And my wife carried... She was five weeks short of full term. And they came in and said she's going into labor. And they said, this baby is probably going to have bad lungs, lung damage. Because she's too little. And they told my wife, they said, we've got a, a team waiting on standby. We're going to take your baby to Riley. And I'm standing there in that moment, and I'm like, he's already brought us this far. And I'm not being disrespectful. But we already had a word from God. And while I'm standing there, and that, 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 that doctor's talking to my wife, all I see is blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah. They looked me in the eyes and said, you, you probably won't get to hold her. I said, hmm. My wife figured, I guess, that I'd had about all I could handle. Because I looked at that doctor and I said, well, sir, be honest. I'm not worried at all because I know who's driving this thing. Oh, what if you would have got bold and it didn't work? So my wife does her superwoman deal. God, I'm so thankful I'm a man. My wife reaches over, grabs me by the hand, goes like that. And there's this beautiful baby. And for a second, I'm like, oh, her lungs, right? I'm talking about, I didn't have much time at all. Because when the doctor picked Grayson up like this, he turned her upside down and she went, I said, hey, Doc, how about those lungs?
So they wrapped that little girl up. They said, you won't get to hold her. They handed her to me, and I said, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I want to tell you, her lungs still work. I'm talking about because she's a singer and worships. That's what I really mean, babe. God put a little opinion in them lungs. He said, will thou be made whole? And he starts, well, I don't know because I've never really had anybody... And Jesus goes, rise. Uh, I wasn't done telling you why I couldn't. Hang on. Lord, let me finish giving glory to every reason why I can't. He gets that report out of his mouth. I never had anybody. There ain't nobody. Everybody, nobody. Dr. Huffman, my chiropractor, said the other day, he said, this girl don't know that song, Pastor. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. He said, you know, you know that one, don't you? I said, yeah, first one was slimy. Second one was, you know, that ain't no testimony for victory right there. You want, a, you, you want this? Will that be made whole? Yeah, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. He said, rise. Lord, maybe you didn't hear me. I need somebody to pick me up. No, no, you don't understand. I'm giving you permission right now. Rise. Make your thoughts rise. Let your speech rise. You've been thinking down. I'm trying to get you to think up. Rise. Rise. You're telling me why it's always going to be like this. I'm telling you, get up. But what if I try and, and it don't work? You know what? I, I'm, I'm tired of unbelief in my life. You know what? I... I'm, stop, I'm stopping. I'm never going to say, what if it don't work ever again? I'm going to say, what if it does? Well, I've tried 14 times, and I couldn't get up. But what if it does right now? What if on Sunday night, right now, you say, I tried last week, and it didn't work, but the Holy Ghost said, right, and you just... Rise, rise, rise. I'm trying to get this in your spirit because if you read this too fast in your Bible, it looks like Jesus has said, well, then rise, take up your bed and walk. Look at the language. There's, there's commas in here. Jesus saith unto him, rise. Take up your bed. Rise. 
Everybody in here wants to walk out. But you ain't ever going to walk if you don't rise. He said, rise, get up. Change the way you're thinking about this. Change the things you've been saying about this. Quit saying it's impossible and start believing God can do it again. Rise, get up. Last, last week, Bishop was here on uh, Sunday morning, he preached Sunday morning, and then he went to Crawfordsville and preached Sunday afternoon. And uh, was it Monday that he had surgery? I think it was Monday, right? So Brother Gobin, who is one of the sweetest men I've ever met, pastor in Crawfordsville, just a precious man, he texts me sometimes at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning up praying for me. He prays for people all the time. And he's been very sick. And they told him the other day, Bishop went all the way to Lafayette because they told him, they said, Reverend Govan, we're going to take your foot and part of your leg. So I called Dad. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm headed up to be with Brother Govan. He said, the doctor told him that they're going to take his foot and part of his leg. But we're just believing God. And I said, well. I don't know, Dad. He's been awful sick. <laughs> I said, well, I believe he can. I got a call three or four hours later. Said, hey, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, Brother Gobin just came out of surgery. They took his pinky toe and one little piece off of his foot. He's going to be all right. He expected to wake up with part of his leg gone. I'm talking about rise up, ask and think. Speak and think. Speak it. Ask it. God can do it. Exceeding abundantly. Ask. I'm going to wake up from here and never walk normal again because they're taking my leg. Brother Gobin said, I believe God can still do a work. Somebody shout three steps. The first step to victory is you got to get up. You with me? He said, take up thy bed. What's that got to do with it? I mean, it's my bed. Jesus said, I want you to pick that thing up. And I want you to get it out of here. Because the next bad day you have. If you don't eliminate that bed in your life, you're going to go lay right back down in it as soon as you get discouraged. And what you just got up over, you're going to go lay back down in again. He said, I want you to get up, and I want you to take that bed. That bed was his identity. 
It's what he laid on for 38 years. The bed said it's always going to be this way. But the Lord said if you've got the strength to get up, then I'm going to give you the strength to roll that bed up and you're never coming back to it again. He said, rise. Take up your bed. And now it's time to do the impossible. You know what I love about this bishop? That man was probably carried there, some say. He was probably carried there on that bed. But when he got up, God gave him supernatural strength to carry what used to carry him. He said, I want you to rise. And I want you to pick that thing up, and I want you to carry it out of here. Why am I walking out of here with this bed? Because everybody that sees your bed is going to know where you've been. The walk, the walk is not just the supernatural that he couldn't do yesterday. The walk is the testimony carrying that bed. I ain't what I used to be. God healed me. God changed me. God touched me. I'll never be the same. I want the world to know I'm different. God did it. Now, I'm going to give you an altar call right here, and I'm going to give it. I'm going to be strong. This is going to be a strong altar call because there's going to be some people that are going to leave here strong tonight. But I want to say this to you. Jesus asked the question, but the man had to give the response. We cannot expect God to do for us what God expects us to do for ourselves. The Holy Ghost said, I can bring you relief. But Jesus' response was, get up. Take up your bed. Walk out of here. Tell your neighbor tonight, the Holy Ghost ain't going to walk for you. The Holy Ghost ain't going to get up for you. The Holy Ghost ain't going to roll your bed up for you. The Holy Ghost is going to give you the strength to make it. But you got to want it bad enough to get up, roll your bed up, and walk on your own two feet. So I'm here to tell you on Sunday night, the Holy Ghost ain't going to walk you to this altar. You're going to have to walk up here on your own. You're going to have to rise up out of that seat, take up the bed you've been laying in, and walk to the front of this church tonight and say, I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. Come on. Declare it in your life right now. If you don't ask it and you don't think it, God can't do it. You know what would really help me, pastors, if somebody would just prophesy over me and tell me God can do it. Okay, 
I prophesy to you right now. You can do it. Now you got a word. It's time to get up, take up your bed, and walk out of here different than you walked in. We're not going to look at it the same. We're not going to talk about it the same. Hang on just one second. This is what's getting ready to happen. They're going to start playing music. We're going to sing a little song. Well, I want to know tonight, if there's anybody in here, this is going to take all the fear and all the lies that the devil's been telling you, and you're going to turn it into praise. And you're going to shake off the despair, and you're going to call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and you're going to walk out of here in victory tonight. We're going to do this backwards right now. Instead of waiting on the music and then us getting the victory, we're going to start getting the victory right now, and then they're going to start singing. But somebody's going to believe that God 